Hello, Springs Community Church, everybody watching online. My name is John. I serve as pastor at the Springs. So excited to be worshiping with you guys on Easter. As you can tell, there's obviously there's been a location change. We stopped and we thought through, well, hey, you guys are worshiping and gathering in your homes. Why not invite you into mine? So welcome to my home. So excited to be celebrating Easter with you. If you're a believer in Jesus, and perhaps if you grew up around church, there's traditionally a statement that's said where you come out and there's a response. Now, obviously, because we're virtual, there's no response. But it would be this celebration, this declaration because of Easter. He is risen. And then people would respond, he is risen indeed. So excited to gather with you guys. If this is your first time getting connected to the Springs, you found out about us online or you're just watching virtually for the first time, we are always looking to get connected to new folks, whether in COVID-19 quarantine or not. The easiest way for you to do that is to just send us a note at info at springsnb.org. A member of our team, a member of our body, we would love to reach out. Whether you are a wrestling with faith and you believe in Jesus or you have known Christ for a long time and you are looking for a virtual home church during this season, to help disciple and care for you. Wherever you are on that spectrum, we would love to talk. Guys, I'm so excited to be where we are today on Easter and where God is leading us in his word. But before we do that, join with me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the chance to gather. I thank you for the privilege of technology. And I thank you for what you're doing. God, would you use this time to strengthen my heart, strengthen the hearts of the people at home, to change families, change eternities, help folks who are far from you to be brought near, help those who know you to walk in the fullness of who you are by the power of your spirit. I need your help to do that. We need your help to do that. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, guys, again, as I shared, I'm really excited. If you've been hanging out with the Springs online the past couple weekends, here's what you know. We are right in the middle of a series that we are calling Quarantine Checklist. We, we started this series after really COVID-19, quarantine, lockdown really went into effect. And you started to see people's priorities, right? Individually, folks were prioritizing going to the grocery store, getting every paper towel that ever existed, going and buying more uh, toilet paper than they would ever need, soap, hand sanitizer, all of that. You saw nations prioritizing, nations deciding, okay, here's what is essential services. Here's what is not essential services. You saw this entire breakdown going going down across our, our world. And it just led us to reflect, hey, we as people of faith, we as followers of Jesus Christ, what are our essentials? What is our quarantine checklist? What are the things that must mark us? What are the things that must define us during this time? The first week we talked about faith, how faith, a belief in Jesus, it's a treasure and how Jesus Christ, right, the realization of what that means, how he treasured us. The next thing we talked about was generosity and not just global generosity, which, which believers in Jesus are called to, but generosity within the context of the local church on how do we love, care for, and support one another. And I'm so excited today on Easter, right? On Resurrection Day to add another thing to our quarantine checklist. What are we adding? We're adding hope, hope. The reason I love adding hope to our quarantine checklist is here's what's true. Christians, we, we come and we celebrate Easter like this. One day, we give a special day to it one day, but really, every day we celebrate Easter. Because the truth of the Christian faith is it, is it celebrates the resurrection of Jesus. If Jesus Christ did not come back from the dead, our faith is in vain. 
So while we come and we give special attention to it today, we depend on it, we abide in it, and we are blessed by the resurrection every single day. Because here's what that resurrection means. It means the truth of forgiveness. It means the debt of your sin and my sin, if you believe, has been paid. It means the assurance of an eternity with God, made family by him. It's this promise of hope guaranteed by the resurrection. So guys, that's what we're going to be. We're going to spend our time, Easter Sunday, quarantine checklist, talking about hope. I think now more than ever, folks need hope. You're, you're starting to see this, especially even outside of the Christian community, right? In the midst of the difficulty and the challenges and just the darkness that's taking place right now across society, across our globe, people are looking for moments of good news. They're looking for everything locally to globally to their neighbors. To I saw this past week, John Krasinski on YouTube. If you don't know who he is, he might, you might recognize him by Jim from The Office. He created his own version on YouTube of a network news show. Now, it's just a joke, right? It's a parody, but it's beautiful. He just calls it SGN, Some Good News, where he is working to give good news in the midst of everything going on. And it just speaks to this truth. It doesn't matter if you believe in Jesus or if you don't. People are looking for hope. And here's what's true, Christian. Hope for you, hope for you, depends on is secured by, symbolized from the resurrection. It's this hope, it's this promise that the God in heaven that you believe in, one day you'll see him face to face. It's this hope, it's this promise that the God in heaven knows the worst of you and he forgives you. It's this hope, it's this promise because of the resurrection that despite perhaps a lack of intimacy and connection with him, there's hope that'll help you grow in it. There's hope in the resurrection. And what's true is even if you don't believe in Jesus, people are, they're always looking for hope. They're looking for hope and repair of the reality of terminal illness, the reality of job loss, the reality of recession, the reality of impact, of, of family strain, of, of being quarantined in the same house and growing in friction with roommates and friction with family. Hope. Here's what's true. There's no greater demonstration of hope, redemption, beauty, majesty than the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The idea that on Friday he was crucified, dead and buried for your sins and for mine, whether you believe that or not. And then Sunday, he rose from the grave, taking his life back up, proclaiming to you, proclaiming to me, this is true. Believe in me. What does this instill? Hope. So guys, as we continue the series Quarantine Checklist, third thing we're adding to that list, it's hope. And I'm excited because where we're going to be studying is we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1. We're actually going to look at three verses. We're going to look at verses 3 through 5. And we're going to talk about how because of the resurrection, we are secured, we are guaranteed, we are promised hope. And that hope comes in three ways. It's a living hope, an unfading inheritance, and then a guarded salvation. So while you grab a Bible, while you start turning there, I'm going to give you guys a little context as we move our way towards 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter, it's a letter written by the apostle, the disciple Peter. Peter's the same disciple that just on Friday denied knowing Jesus Christ three times, denied him, and then from that ran 
but in the reality of seeing the risen Christ, the trueness, in rediscovering hope that faith placed in him is true hope, Peter becomes the leader of the church. This beautiful missionary, this preacher to the lost, and helps by the power of the Holy Spirit and with the Holy Spirit set the world on fire with faith of Christ to where 2,000 years later, here we are. We are celebrating what Christ has done, how he changed history on a day. So that's the context for Peter. The context for this specific book is he's writing a letter to believing Jews. So these were Jews who had been persecuted, but were believers in Jesus Christ. They'd been persecuted and they were suffering. The, The larger narrative of this letter is how to suffer well, how to hold fast would be the key word I'd have you remember for it. But where does he anchor holding fast? Where does he anchor enduring difficulty? And guys, right now, society, not knowing the hope, not knowing where things are in a year, not knowing the future, what do we have the opportunity to do? To endure well. Where does Peter anchor hope? Right there in chapter one. He anchors it in the resurrection, in the truth of your salvation and of mine. So that's where we pick it up. So if you have a Bible, grab one, turn with me, look at it on your phones, turn over, look at somebody else on the couch beside you, and I'm excited to read. I'm gonna read all of verses three through five, and then we're gonna jump back up and we're gonna look at verse three. Go verse by verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I'm gonna jump back up to verse three, and that's where we're gonna start our time focusing on hope. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Guys, I'm excited to add hope to our quarantine checklist, right? And and the first reason is Peter right here. He's explaining why there's hope. It's because we have a living hope. It's a living hope. And and I love this too, because what Peter's going to do is he's going to highlight the resurrection. He's going to highlight the beauty and the majesty of it. And he knows he's about to do that. But emotionally, before he can get there, he just starts to worship. He just starts to praise God. Look, Look at the way he starts it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be praises to worship of. He goes on, according to his great mercy. What is true? Why is the resurrection real? Why should we bless and praise God? It's because of his mercy. Do you know that mercy, it technically can be synonymous with, but technically often, even in your Bible, it's used differently than the word grace. See, mercy speaks to a change of condition, right? A change of state. Grace speaks to the pardon of guilt, right? A prisoner set free, declared innocent, grace. A prisoner set free and from that receiving an inheritance, change of state and condition. It's mercy. What what led part of the reasons in the majesty and the goodness and the glory of God? What led Jesus Christ to a hillside to die for our sins three days later, coming back from the grave for the glory of God and to demonstrate he's merciful, he's kind, he's loving, he's caring. He loves you. He died for you. He rose for you. And he says, believe. 
And I love how it talks about it, even from that. It says, he has caused us, like this gift of faith, he has caused us to be born again. Now, some of you growing up in church, you've heard this language. It's interesting. What it speaks to is what happens when you come to believe in Jesus, right? Because here's what it takes to be a Christian, like, like a true, saved, resurrection-believing, going to eternity with God in heaven Christian. You believe that you were a sinner, that he died on the cross for your folly and mine, your sin and mine, your brokenness and mine, your bad decisions and mine. Paid the penalty for all of it. He rose from the grave three days later proving, hey, I, I come with victory in hand. Your debt I've paid, your freedom I extend. Believe. But what happens when you believe? That's where the Bible uses this born again language. It's speaking to this truth of how once you become a believer in Jesus, you're not a better version of yourself. You are a new version of yourself. Bible, it talks about you go from dead to alive. It's caused by God because of his mercy. It's what's building, it's what's fueling the truth that we have a living hope. I love how Peter uses the word living. He's gonna use this in this book six times. And living means something. It's different. And we're going to zoom in on exactly what does Peter intend? What does Peter mean by this? The word living, it speaks to the idea of real, sincere, genuine, or, or my favorite, unshakable. Guys, there's a difference between hope and living hope. See, hope, there's nothing wrong with having hope. People, all people, believers in Jesus or not, we live with hope. We have hope in, for example, what, what, when the world might return back to normal. We have hope in, for example, when jobs might be restored, when the economy would come back. We have hope that an unrepentant spouse, husband or wife would turn back. There'd be restoration in the marriage. We have hope that God would help us grow to be the man or woman that we intend to be. But there's this difference between hope and a living hope. See, hope is when you place your things, excuse me, hope is when you place an expectation on things that are shakable. The economy, the hope that the next boy you meet becomes your husband, the next girl you meet becomes your wife, the next job you have gives you the money, the status, the significance, the next car you drive finally feels good enough even though you know that's gonna wear off eventually. Hope. For me, I found a lot of hope, especially living at home. And I hope my daughter, Lily, she's three, takes a nap. Because when she takes a nap, the whole day is better for everybody. Here's the thing, though. That is a shaky hope, guys. <laughs> I can't bank on that. What's a living hope? A living hope, if you remember, it is real. It is sincere, unshakable. It's because you hope not in things of this world. You hope in what is secure. You hope in what is fixed. In what has fixed hope? guaranteed it, secured it, it's the resurrection. It's the hope that one day after I die, I will see Jesus Christ face to face. That is a living hope. It is the hope that I have the Holy Spirit within me indwelt by the power of God to walk by faith, even in my hard times. That is true. That's outside of me. That is a living hope. It is the hope that in eternity I will see loved ones who believe in Jesus Christ. I will worship God the Father by the power of the Spirit with Christ the Son. I'll worship and see friends and laugh and eat and dine and enjoy people. That's a living hope. 
right? Guys, we all need hope. That's what's true about this. The resurrection promises something for Christians, for believers. And if you're not a Christian, you have to find hope in the things of this world. And here's what you're realizing. Trying to find hope in the things of this world, they're all shaky. They're all futile. They're all vain. But finding hope in Jesus Christ, the risen one, that's eternal hope. It's unchanging. Because guys, especially in the midst of where there's so many things changing, we are looking for what is secured. I, I know my family, even I, like here's what's true. The past few weeks, because you just live so close to one another, you work from here, it's always there. There's opportunities for what I would call friction, right? There's more stress, there's more discomfort. There can be more conflict in the marriage with kids. Even as I was coming to write this sermon, my daughter, Lily, I have this garage office. It's right outside. My daughter, Lily, she just wanted to come out and be a part of it. She's beautiful, right? She'd want to come out, be a part of it, and it's cute the first few times, but by the 17th time, your daughter's walking out. You're trying to write a sermon. Okay, you start to grow in frustration. I'm not proud of it, but it's just true. And I'm sitting there, and I'm writing this sermon and prep for Easter, and I'm thinking about hope. And I'm thinking about the reality of the resurrection secures a living hope. It's not in things of this world. It's in the things that Christ has done, the things that Christ has promised. And I'm like, I can't get upset with her. What type of guy gets upset while he's writing a sermon about hope? And there was this moment where God reminded me, hey, John, Here's something that you have a living hope in, a secured one, because it's not in me, it's not in this world, it's in Christ. Like my daughter, she would come and she'd interrupt, right? And I use the word interruption, even in our culture, it kind of carries a bit of a, a negative attitude to it, right? I, in eternity, will never be an interruption to Jesus Christ. I, now in prayer to the Father, interceded on behalf of the Son. I am never an interruption. See, remember, if it has a negative connotation, because here's the truth, like he tells me now, approach with confidence the throne of grace. Like I can go straight to the throne room. I don't even have to wait in the lobby. That's his attitude towards me. There is no interruption. There's a come, come, come. That's a living hope. That's something I can aspire to as a dad here. But living hope is placing that because of the resurrection and the truth of who God is for an eternity. Guys, our quarantine checklist, we're adding hope. Why? It's because it's guaranteed, it's secured, it's promised by faith in the resurrection. The resurrection is a symbol of it, it proves it. It is a screaming point throughout all of history and eternity. Hope. Hope is found in Jesus Christ. Hope. It's a living hope. Let's look at verse 4. Let's keep going. Let's look at verse 4. To an inheritance, so he's continuing on, right? To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. The second reason that we are adding hope to the quarantine checklist, the second reason is because what does the resurrection promise you and what does the resurrection promise me? If you believe in Jesus, it promises an unfading inheritance. I, I love this, right? Because it speaks to the word inheritance. Like whoever gets to talk about inheritance, and I hope you all do, right? It inherently implies wealth. Like you get the privilege of receiving wealth. My, my family, we've watched more Disney Plus recently than we have in a long time or at least since it came out. 
uh, I should say, right? And one of the shows was Richie Ridge. Anybody remember Macaulay Culkin, early 90s, right? Richie Ridge, it, it's basically this simple, cheesy kid movie, right? About the youngest billionaire to inherit this wealth, 70 billion according to the movie, right? In the world. And it's this movie about what would it be like to be that rich and you get to see all these things. And I, sound my, I, I found myself watching this with my daughter, sitting there thinking, man, what would it be like? 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 He's an heir to 70 billion, having everything he wants. And guys, there was an honest truth of reflection. It's like, wait, that's me. Like that is me, like in a spiritual way, in a spiritual way. Like God, the creator of everything, is going to give me an inheritance. I am an heir by faith. And far better than Richie Rich and just the material, there's a spiritual treasure and promise that awaits me in the kingdom of heaven. I'm an heir. The other beautiful part of that, the other beautiful idea of even getting an inheritance, of being an heir, it means you're a part of the family. Like king of kings, lord of lords calls me son. The king made me a prince. We have an inheritance. And I love how he describes the inheritance. Because I imagine for some folks, they think about an inheritance. And he wanted to make sure it was really clear what that inheritance was. What, what would be the words that marked it? He, he used the words imperishable. That means it's not corruptible. That means it, it can't be destroyed. Right? If your inheritance right now is in the stock market, people would say there's corrosion. It's being destroyed. They're hoping it bounces back. Right? But it's fragile. That inheritance, it's never fragile. After that, it goes on to say, undefiled. This means imperfect, right? Everything in this world, guys, everything in this world, and you know this already to be true, is imperfect. You get these shadows, you get these echoes of perfection, these echoes of beauty and majesty, but it's imperfect. Let me give you an example. The most beautiful sunset, you're sitting there, you watch it go down, the, the, the different colors across the landscape, the horizon, you just see it descending. The most beautiful sunset can be interrupted by mosquitoes. Mosquitoes, imperfect. You know what you're not gonna have in heaven? I don't think you're gonna have mosquitoes biting your legs while you're trying to watch the sunset. Imperfect. That is not true of your inheritance. Let's say you inherit a mansion, right? The biggest mansion. Let's say you inherit a mansion. You know what you're gonna have to do? Maintain it. You know what you'll probably have to do in 10 years earliest, I bet, right? You'll have to renovate it. You won't have to do any of that there. The next word it uses is unfading. It speaks this idea of diminishing value. I can remember in economics learning, right, the law of diminishing value, the law of diminishing return. It spoke to the more you do something, the less output or value you get from it. Let me give you an example, right? You go and you eat your favorite meal. That first bite, it's amazing. That second bite, it's so good. But by that 10th bite, you've kind of honestly stopped even noticing the flavor. It's the reason why folks constantly upgrade their phone. It's the reason why a friend of mine, his buddy owns a Lamborghini. He sold the Lamborghini, why? He got bored with it. He wanted something new. He wanted something more shiny, why? Because everything in this world is fading. It won't fade there. 
And the final thing that describes the inheritance, what gives us hope because of the resurrection, the final thing that describes it is that it's kept in heaven for you and for me. This word kept, your Bible, it may say reserved. It speaks to reservation. It speaks to its being guarded. Like one of the things that's true is if you have a reservation, they know that you're coming. Like you can show up. I reserved a rental car not too long ago. I showed up to this counter. They said, oh yes, Mr. Onquist, we were expecting you. Here's your reservation. Your inheritance has a reservation on it. Your name is placed to it. What's true is even if in this world, right, you're a part of an inheritance with a last will and testament, you are named and then told what you receive. I have an inheritance in heaven by faith that has my name on it. That God, because he gives good things, every good and perfect gift comes from him. Because he models his love, he describes it like a father who wants to bless a child. He says, no, 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 come, come. I wanna give you good things. I have an inheritance with my name on it. Here's the thing though, guys, like I, I, I want that to create hope. Peter means that to create hope in you, to create hope in me, but so many times, it, it tends to not. Here's why I don't think an inheritance, the reality of a spiritual inheritance at times, creates hope. One, I don't think Christians, anywhere near often enough, use what I would call a biblically informed imagination, using God's words to just daydream on what would that be like. We don't think about it. The second reason is, I don't think we know what to compare it to. One aspect, for example, of your and my Christian future inheritance is the reality of heaven. It's the truth of heaven. And here's what heaven will be like. In particular, too, new heavens, new earth, which is this world, this earth, transformed and glorified, perfected. So let me give you some examples of what I think it looks like to, to think about, to grasp an unfading inheritance, in particular with the reality of heaven. Uh, my wife and my kids were out of town a few weeks ago. A buddy of mine called me. It was late at night. He said, hey, man, I'm going to see a movie. You want to come see a movie? I have not had free time like that or availability like that in years. I said, absolutely. I walk outside. He pulls up. I jump in his truck. We drive to the movie theater. We sit there. We get a drink. We get popcorn. We get candy. We go. We have great seats right in the middle of the theater, right in the middle. No one's sitting by us. We get the, the leather chairs because you know how they've upgraded all the chairs recently? I push that. I get to recline, I laugh with him, I enjoy this movie, we go back, drops me off at home, head to bed. It's an amazing night, amazing night. What did I get to do? I enjoyed creation, I ate good food, I saw a fellow believer in fellowship, I laughed and I had fun and it created in me a gratitude for God. I can remember walking home and thinking, this is what heaven will be like except better. Now are there movies and all that stuff? I don't know, I don't know, but I know it'll be better. I can remember another example. I was hanging out with some friends outside of his house. He was doing a little uh, home improvement project. He has a neighbor, another believer, right? And the neighbor said, hey, you want to come over, take a break, eat some food, grab a drink, sit down, relax. We just went in that house, sat there with them, laughed, told stories, enjoyed one another for an hour and a half. At the end of that, I got up, I went home. And I remember thinking, this is what heaven will be like. I can remember a year ago, it was July 4th, I went uh, tubing with a group of friends. I sat on this tube with my daughter, Lily, and I enjoyed this memory of going on this tube with her. Now we were going slow. 
But here's where I was. I was with friends who loved God in fellowship, created a sense of gratitude in me. There was worship to it sincerely. And I thought, this is what heaven will be like. Are there boats? I have no idea. I know there's rivers. I know there's water. I know you can swim. But do you see? That's just one slice. That's just one piece of an unfading inheritance that awaits me. That's mine. That God says, I want to give this to you. That the resurrection seals and promises that I'm an heir to. Christian, this is your hope. That is where you place it because of the resurrection. Yes, you can pray and you can hope for things to come back, the economy in a year, but don't put your hope there, like your lasting, living hope. You don't put it there. Where do you put it because of the resurrection? You put it in Christ. You put it in what he's promised. He's the ultimate source. That's why we run to him. Let's look at verse five. Let's look at verse five. Peter continues on. Who, so this is continuing to talk about people who have the inheritance. So he's talking about saints, believers, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I love that. The third reason why we're adding hope because of the resurrection to our quarantine checklist. The third reason we are adding hope is because we have a guarded salvation. We have a guarded salvation. One of the things that's true of me is I called my, myself a believer in Jesus. I called myself a Christian a long time before I actually became a Christian. One of the things that's true, especially when you connect with folks that grew up around Christian culture and you talk with folks who, who didn't really believe in Jesus and then they come to really believe in Jesus. Oftentimes their life revolves around sin. He, specifically, here's what I mean. In response to sin, there's this imagination that can kind of take off of, oh, if I die right after I sin, I won't go to heaven. If I die right after I do something wrong, I won't go to heaven. If I don't do this, I won't go to heaven. Guys, that's not a guarded salvation. That's an insecure salvation. That's a safe that holds salvation that's left open for you to come and rip out or the enemy to come and steal. This one is guarded because of the resurrection. You and I have hope in a guarded salvation. Like what does it take to be a saved, sincere, believing, God-fearing, resurrection-claiming, Christ-awaiting Christian? You believe in him. Now, do you do anything to earn it? Like, can you work for it? No. But here's my question, right? Here's my question. Can you unearn it? Can you lose it? Like, let me ask you differently. How good do you have to be in order to get it? Like, how good is good enough? And the second question, how good do you have to be in order to keep it? How good? What does that look like? Do you have to give it all away? Give all your money? Do you have to go to church every time? What if you say the wrong thing? What if you're mean towards a sibling? What if you're disrespectful towards a spouse? What if you're unkind towards a roommate? Do you lose it? Church, the resurrection promises an amazing thing. It tells you and it tells me, God doesn't save us by if we are enough. Like you being enough, right? That's not what saves you. Because you can't. What saves you and what saves me is belief. Like, let me speak right now with some of the kids or the students or even people wrestling with faith. Here's what's true. You, 
what secures heaven, what secures unconditional love, forgiveness by faith is you not living up to your own expectations. That's not it. What secures eternity, what secures heaven is you not living up to your parents' expectations, your friends' expectations, your siblings' expectations, your boss's expectations. It's, it's not you being enough for them. What you, what secures your eternity because of the resurrection is not because you think you can live up to what you view as God's expectations. You don't have to be enough for yourself. You don't have to be enough for others. You don't have to be enough for God. Why? Because three days before he rose from the grave, he died on a cross. He died knowing you and I were not enough. He died knowing you and I were broken, sinners in need of a savior. He came for you and he came for me. That's the beauty of Christianity. That's the beauty of Easter. That is the hope of the resurrection that I didn't earn it and I can't lose it. What does that create? What does that stir up within the heart of the believer? Faithfulness, gratitude. Church, people watching who are wrestling with faith don't know what they believe. Here's what I hope that you know. Because of Easter, because of the resurrection, there's hope. It doesn't matter if there's quarantine or there's no quarantine, there is hope. And that hope, it's not fixed in this world. That hope is fixed in Jesus Christ. The truth that he was dead and he was buried and three days later, the stone rolled away. He came out alive. Guys, we add hope to the quarantine checklist because we all need hope in a time like this. We all need focus on what matters most. Here's what's true. Regardless of where the future goes, Christian, you have hope. Why? It's not in this world. You have hope in the truth that one day you'll see God. He already knows your name. He already knows the difficulty of life, your good days and your bad, and you'll see him. Christian, you have hope. Here's why. He looks at you, your brokenness, your sin, your dysfunction, your inability to lead your family, your greed and lack of generosity, your selfishness, not your service. He forgives you and he bids you come. He secured your place through the resurrection. We have hope. It's this life-changing, soul-empowering truth that not because of what we've done, but because the tomb's empty, because he didn't stay dead, our faith, it's not in vain, that he changes us from the inside with his spirit. We have hope. See, guys, the world right now, the world right now, it needs some good news. The world right now it needs reminders of hope. And what does that look like? It looks like love. It looks like generosity. It looks like selfish actions, or selfless, excuse me. It looks like loving our neighbor. It looks like serving those in need. It looks like all those things. But do you know what fuels hope? Do you know what people need to see? A complete dependence on the truth of the resurrection in the people of God. They need to see in me. They need to see in you, believer. They need to see in you, Christian, a hope that is not here, it's a living hope. It's unfading as it awaits its inheritance. It's secured by a guarded salvation and it was made possible because he is risen. He is risen indeed. Y'all, that 
is some good news. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. I thank you for what it means in my life and the means of lives of people. Lord, I'm asking that even as folks sit in their room or they watch on phones or tablets, people who don't know you, children, students, adults, wrestling, whoever, wherever, I'm asking that by the power of your hand, they'd come to know you. I'm asking that they would acknowledge their sin and accept you as savior. They'd trust you. They'd reach out. They'd share with friends, roommates, family. They'd get connected to where we could disciple and help them grow in the reality of how the resurrection changes everything. It brings hope. Father, I pray for those of us who know you, who love you, who have the hope of the resurrection. May we live in light of it. Remind us of the beauty of this day, how we celebrate the majesty of an empty tomb, a God who's alive. We need your help to do that. We want to live as people of hope. We have good news. May we live like it. We love you and we thank you so much. Amen. Guys, thank y'all so much for joining us online virtually. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your Easter enjoying the time. We'll see you guys next week. Y'all have a great week of worship. Happy Easter.